Welcome to Cigar City Radio, episode 14. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen is Jason Solanas. There's nothing better in this world than some good old <sighs> It's my favorite sigh. If you like this podcast, you can find our full library of episodes at CigarCityRadio.com. You can also find Cigar City Radio on iTunes or Stitcher. You can follow us at Cigar City Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can email us at CigarCityRadio at gmail.com. Our guest on this episode is the legendary rock and roll singer Greg Billings, originally from the band Stranger and now the frontman for the Greg Billings Band. Dating back to 1981, Stranger with original members Greg Billings on vocals, Tom King on bass, Ronnie Garvin on guitar, and John Price on drums won huge crowds around the Southeast with their electrifying stage show, eventually securing a deal with Epic Records. During its 16-year run, Stranger released several independent records in addition to the Epic Records release, featuring hits like Swamp Woman, Okeechobee Whiskey, 3D, Hit and Run, Alligator Joe, and Wrong Side of the Tracks. On Friday, January 13th, the Greg Billings Band will be celebrating the 35th anniversary of Stranger's first Epic Records release with a sold-out headlining show at the Capitol Theater. They'll be performing some classic Stranger hits in addition to the new album, Boom Boom All Night. You can stay up-to-date with new releases and tour dates via Facebook and gregbillingsband.com. So here it is, episode 14. Greg Billings, uh, the lead singer and front man from the Greg Billings Band. And Joe Cracker. And Joe Cracker from the Greg <laughs> Billings Band, formerly of the band Stranger. Yes, sir. Uh, who next Friday, January 13th, you're celebrating the 35th anniversary of the original Stranger album. The original right. Stranger album, 1982 it came out. Right. 1982. Yeah, and we just kind of funny, we just realized it like two months ago that it was going to be 35 years old. Yeah. You know, I don't know why we didn't celebrate 30 or 25. (laughs) It just came up. I was 35. sounded kind of cool. It does. So we decided to celebrate the 35th because the next main year will be 40, and that's five years from now. So we we don't want to push it. (laughs) We want to make sure (laughs) more than, you know, at least two of us are around. Yeah, yeah. So so let's take our listeners back 35 years ago, 1982. You're – you're playing around in the Tampa scene. The band's called Romeo back mm-hmm. then. Is yeah, that right? 1980s when we started. Okay, and um, uh, they were called Romeo when I joined the band, and uh, they had had a girl singer previously before me. So, and then when I joined the band, uh, of course, I was like, "Well, we're going to write, we're going to write songs, and we're not doing these covers very long." So, yeah. started writing right away, and within a year and a half, I had a record deal, and uh, we were out in Los Angeles with Epic Records. Wow. So, so what was that like? I mean, a year and a half seems like kind of a it was great. A quick turnaround. It was to go great. From, it yeah. was great. To, but I was we were all young, 
And we thought it was it. We were going to be stars. We were cocky and, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Epic Records comes knocking, you know. Yeah, it was cool. It was kind of like the end of the year kind of thing. Uh, Tom Warman was the producer who saw us. And at the time, he'd done uh, Cheap Trick, mm-hmm. uh, Ted Nugent, uh, Mother's Finest was a yeah. band. It was pretty big at the time. He did a great job with those guys. The early rock records that they did were phenomenal. I mean, they sound like the band was in your garage playing. And that's kind of what we thought we were going to sound like. But, you know, and he got us a deal right towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, we're in Los Angeles. And none of us had ever been yeah. to Los Angeles. Are you guys had, all from Florida? Uh, no, all around Texas, okay. Tennessee, South Carolina. I was from North Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, we all ended up getting together in Orlando because there was plenty of gigs here sure. in Florida. At, at that time, you could play Monday through Saturday or Tuesday through Sunday, mm-hmm. and then you have a moving day and go to another club in another city, stay for the whole week, you know, move in to a hotel or where it may be a band house or something for the week, and you play all week. Wow. They, on the first night, they'd have welcome the band night. Okay. You know, and tell you all the lowdown, and you'd meet all the groupies and all the the bar people that would be there that week. Yeah. So it was a cool scene. And once you did seven or eight of those clubs, you started over and did them again. So you'd start back over and do two months later, you're back at the same place. So it was so, like a big circuit. Yeah. And I was bands, say that's when people refer to bands as a circuit <laughs> band from that era, that's what they're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there were other bars to play too, but. You know, we had finally made it up to the A circuit. Oh, all right. You know, yeah, so yeah, your A listers. <laughs> it was cool because you know you made a, a decent amount of money, and you got a place to stay, and they used bar tabs. You know, and and you know if you were broke or hungry, a waitress or somebody at the club would take you to dinner and that or cook nice. dinner at their house, and it was usually spaghetti. <laughs> you know, you had a lot of spaghetti sometimes it was great, sometimes <laughs> it was bad, but anytime we get a free meal in a row, it was great. But we lived out of hotel rooms. Nobody really had a. A home, but th- that's why everybody came to Florida to do a circuit. And of course, there was probably, God, maybe twenty bands on this circuit. Wow! And you get to know because some clubs are in the same town, so all the cl- all the bands got to know each other, and it was really cool time to be in, in a band. Yeah, you know? it sounds like it. Yeah, and it actually, you made about. Twenty dollars at the end of the week. <laughs> that was more than any band I'd ever been Something in. Something in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, things haven't changed much then. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of bands are still hoping for twenty bucks at the end of the week. Yeah, so it's, it's cool. uh, in that year and a half span between when you joined the band and when you got with Epic Records, were you all doing the band full time? Yeah. Or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Nobody was. It was what we did. We had two vans and a truck. Yeah. And we had a road crew and, you know, like two guys that worked in a crew. And we were, you know, light show, we had it all. So when you go oh, in yeah. the club, you had all full production. You yeah. set it up on Monday, turn it on, do a sound check, and then by Friday, uh, you're, the whole stage is a complete mess. And you're, all your gear is a complete mess. But on Saturday night after the gig, it's time to tear it down, put it in the truck, move to the, the next town the next day. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and then the best part about that was we were writing tunes during the day because we'd be in the same club. We just talked to the club in to letting us come in when the cleaning crew came in and let us turn on our gear. We usually didn't turn the PA on or anything, but and then write tunes for, yeah. for a couple of hours. That's cool. I That's mean, cool it gives you like it. a home base for, for a little yeah, while. Yeah, you know, yeah. and after a while, after a couple of circuits, you'd get to know the cleaning crew. Yeah, sure. So sure. you're writing songs, you're writing Get On Up and Swamp Woman, and the cleaning crew's in there going, hey, you know, they give you a thumbs up yeah, or, no, or thumbs no, they down. Yeah, they didn't like that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'd run it by them. So it, it was yeah. got to be a pretty good, a hard, like a, it, it was a day job, mm-hmm. 
And but you didn't miss nights, man. You worked five, six nights a week, seven nights a week sometimes. Yeah, all depends rough. on the gig. Yeah. And you didn't miss nights because if you did, the whole band missed and missed money. So, uh, but it was it was fun, you know. But we were writing during the day, and some songs were great. Great. I mean, we probably wrote about twenty songs in that year and a half, and we only put ten on the record. Yeah. So, so, we, so how did you actually get the, the attention of Epic Records? Was it they were in town and yeah. hanging out with uh, we were, at the time our manager. We weren't signed with him yet, but it was Pat Armstrong who mm-hmm. handled Molly Hatchet, which was huge at the time yeah. after Skinner crash. Well, Hatchet was huge. Yeah. So, and we were playing in a bar in Orlando where the, the Pat Armstrong was from, and he brought Tom Orman out to see the band. The place was packed. It was ladies' night, yeah. and our guitar player could draw 300 women by himself, and the place holds 200 people. So, and it's ladies' night, so was, of course it was wall to wall, and this guy's like, what the hell's going on here? And we're playing some really bad originals, but the guy didn't care. It was like, look at these girls in here. This is great. So I had a meeting with the manager and said they want to sign you uh, to a record deal. But before you sign the record deal, you got to sign management with me, basically. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, sure. Going to Los Angeles? Okay. Where do we (laughs) sign? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it happened really quick, really quick. And it happened so quick that we really didn't have the songs to – we had probably seven or eight solid tunes that we thought were good enough for the record. And I don't even think, I think by the time we got to LA, I think we had nine okay. and we ended up jamming on Swamp Woman on, in the studio. And they said, we like that tune. Why don't you put that on? So that was like the last song that was added to the record. And that ended up being, of course, the most popular song yeah, from that record. Yeah. I mean, you're still playing Swamp Woman <laughs> these days, you know, today. So yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so crazy. So you went out to L.A. and then you cut the record in L.A. Cut the record at the record plant. At, oh, at the record plant in L.A. Yeah. Oh, right on. Very. We knew the background of the place, but we still being in there, we didn't realize how cool it was to be in a studio that would be around for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, of course, those places, it's tough to keep a place like that open anymore. But we'd go in there one night. Cher was there, you know, hanging out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Dolly Parton. And all these, uh, Rod Stewart was in there right before we came in. So we thought it was great. Yeah, we, you guys were in the system. You know? yeah, yeah, it was great, man. We were, you know, we we're just a bunch of hillbillies out there hanging out with. <laughs> yeah. I didn't care. You know, Cher would be sitting there and be like, hey, what's going on? You know, just strike up a conversation. And sure. It was, it was good times because we didn't, we thought we were going to make be stars at that point. How did that work out for you guys? <laughs> uh, it was, you know, it was, the record didn't sound very good. Uh. Sound, it was all right. It was just didn't sound like us. A lot of people were. Pretty disappointed. It didn't sound like the Stranger Romeo sound from the bars. It was just real kind of Mickey Mouse. Is that a word? Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah. Mickey Mouse. Well, a lot of those early '80s records, like especially from and from a major label like Epic, you know, they had that sort of sheen to them. Where they were, and we were flying through these tunes too. We were like in the, we were at the studio before anybody, and they were even telling us, "Guys, won't you?" party a little bit and come in late and maybe just relax a little bit but no we were there every morning before anybody got there and we were ready to go but every song was so fast because we're excited you know we we wanted to get this thing on the road and can't help it yeah and at the time when it came out it was kind of cool because it was a record you know you put it on a turntable yeah 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 in the back of my mind i was like man i don't think we really sound like that live and you know it kind of came back to haunt us a little bit and we went out on tour Mm -hmm. we toured a record company paid for some uh, touring with outer nova and um, uh, the headliner was UFO. And Alder Nova had a number one song in the country, you know, with uh, Life is Just a Fantasy was the name of it. Oh, yeah. 
and he was like a guitar player, producer kind of guy. He didn't ever really have a band that had hit. So we were out for like two months on the West Coast with these guys. Uh, we had a U-Haul and a, and a rented mo- uh, motorhome. And we, our first gig, we left Orlando. Our first gig was in Denver, Colorado at the Rainbow Music Hall, which is a great place. I don't know if it's still there, but great place. Like 450 people, maybe 600 people. And we drove all the way out there, made 250 bucks. There was eight of us, I think, on the road. And I remember them asking us what we wanted to eat. And they brought us like 10 hot dogs <laughs> and a couple of Cokes and some popcorn. And we were so happy. Yeah. We were like, man, we're on, we're, we got it made. And of course, we did the show. We opened up, uh, it was UFO just only that night. And mm. standing ovation was great. We were hooked right there. Yeah. We were going to be stars. Yeah, you knew that that was it. It was like, man, this is easy, man. UFO, they they were like, I had their records, you know, growing up. You know, we even covered a lot of their tunes, Rock Bottom and Doctor Doctor and a couple of those tunes. Sure, yeah. To be on tour with those guys was, I thought thought it was over. Yeah. We were going to be stars. Yeah, it was just going to go straight to the... Yeah, but it was cool. It was cool. It lasted like two months, and we did the whole West Coast swing, met a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time we got back, the tour was over, and the record company pretty much said, yeah, that's it. Next, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, was it just the the record wasn't selling? People I don't know. I don't know if we had pissed somebody off. I don't know if uh, a couple of people in the A and R department, which yeah. there's tons of people working at Epic at that time, you know. I don't know if somebody just didn't, you know, they came to see us live at Long Beach Arena, did a great show, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't it didn't know. jive for them for some reason. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. wasn't working. They were like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, we're over it, you know. And we were. We're actually the Billboard magazine when the record came out. We made the cover of Billboard, so they wow. put the money up. They thought the record was going to be a yeah. Success. They put money into marketing it. Yeah, yeah, but there's so many people work at those record companies. Like I said, yeah, one person could have said I don't, I don't like it, and they had a lot of pull, and it just, they just pretty much dropped the ball. Well, you know, I also think too, just like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but 1982, it's like that was when kind of new wave was starting to really come into play. It was starting, you know, there everything was very synth heavy and you know, poppy and produce, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it was just... There was there was, there was was still rock there, too, and Heart was pretty big at the time, and uh, they were kind of going down, too, because they weren't quite as poppy as some guys, but... Uh, and then and then the next thing you know, the, the rumor was they wanted us to add a keyboard player, and we were like, whoa! Oh, uh, yeah. So that was happening. REO Speedwagon was yeah, happening, you yeah, know? It's like, yeah. whoa, we're not that kind of band. Yeah, you guys are a hard rock band. Oh, you know? we were... You're hearing the stuff on the first record to, in rehearsal tonight. It's yeah. it's pretty much straightforward, angry. Yeah, was, I was angry at somebody. It was, it was heavy rock. I mean, it wasn't metal. like heavy yeah. metal rock, sure, but it sure. was attitudeish kind of. Yeah, uh, the lyrics are I'm just, the lyrics I'm not proud of. I was young, you yeah. know. How old were you when this was? Twenty two, I think. Wow, I'm, I'm uh, twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, it's hard to be twenty two and twenty three and thrust into you know a major label. Yeah, and, but we, like yeah. I said, we thought we we're going to make it, and it was it's it's fine. It was a it was a learning experience, and like I said, you're always I don't know how you're supposed to please record companies because how can you write something uh, a year before it's recorded and it be happening? Yeah, you know what I mean. So they want you to write like what's happening now. Yeah. And if you do that, it takes six months to write a record, then something else is happening yeah. at the time. So you have to be ahead of what they want. Yeah, you have to know what they want before they do. Yeah, and it's yeah. gotta be luck and it's gotta be something that catches on, you know, and it, that's cool. It's it's music. But we never gave up after that. Yeah, no, you didn't give up. And that's yeah. that's what I was gonna ask you about is from there you 
really hit the independent circuit hard. Yeah, know? well, we didn't know what independent circuit was. We just said, look, we can make records on our own. So yeah. uh, we did, had a falling out with our management and didn't think that was going to happen. We tried to do a new a second record with Epic, and they kind of turned it down. Mm. And they added a lot of synthesizer and stuff to it. Yeah. Uh, it was a record that we, we recorded, and then we sent it away to a guy named Terry Manning, who was a producer. And he had a lot of keyboards and synthesizer, yeah, you know. And we got it back. We're like, well, it's kind of cool, but it never got released. It's uh, out there somewhere. You can find it on YouTube, a couple yeah. of a couple of tunes, oh, but it never cool. got released. So after that, we we kind of said, look, we can do our own records, but we got to wait till we get out of our contract with our management. Yeah. So we just wrote for the next three, four years, and wow. kind of marked that date on our calendar whenever <laughs> our contract was up. Yeah. And we had the songs ready to go at that point. So, from there, a stranger went on to release what, seven, eight records. A total of seven. Seven I think. records. Yeah, there was. A, we started with a four-song EP, which at the time it was Peaches Records and um, all the Camelot Records, and we got them to put it in their store. A uh, four-song EP cassette, and they sold like crazy. And all these record companies at that time, you know, they're keeping an eye on what's going on. They're like, "What's this four-song EP that's selling?" And got a little bit of attention, and we, once again, were approached by some record companies, and, of course, we were afraid. We were very scared. Yeah, after the experience you just had. Yeah, yeah, and we we said, no, we're going to do our own record. So we ended up taking the money we earned from the EP, which it was all a, a process that we had put in place, but then it kind of worked because we earned some money, made some money, put that all towards uh, recording at uh, Morris Sound Studio, mm-hmm. which was top of the line here yeah. in Tampa at the time and uh and we did a record called No Rules which was released in 88 so between 82 and 88 yeah it's six, it was we were all yeah. over the place and you, know, you were touring and, and gigging well, around well touring time. we were back in the circuit again oh okay right yeah all right so after our big album came out next thing you know we're playing the Crown Lounge oh. which I you guys are too young to remember Crown Lounges they were liquor stores that had a, a rock bar in them Oh, okay. A lot of you know, a lot of bands came through town would play them on their off nights. If they're opening up for like Aerosmith, and they had a night off, they would run and do a Crown Lounge. Interesting. You know, a small lounge, but so we were back doing lounges, and then next thing you know, we're back doing the circuit again, which was we were we didn't have homes. Yeah, and you had to play. I don't think anybody was married in the band at that point, so it was like let's just go play and keep writing. Yeah. So then, eighty-eight, no rules is sort of the re. Surgeons, yes, the band. Those, that was like I think 10 songs that we had written over the over six years, yeah, you know. And uh, it's uh, and that one, we added a keyboard player, by okay. the way, yeah, but a different kind of keyboard player, I'd yeah, imagine. great guy, kind of kind of like Rob Sony is now with the band, uh, heavy, uh, Hammond B3 organ, carried around a Leslie, we had a big truck, you know, yeah. we were very successful money wise. We put all our money into our, I mean, we pulled up in an 18 wheel tractor trailer. And we had a motor home, you know, we were, we were fancy, you know, fancy pants. But you were doing this all yourself, you know? Yeah, we which, financed the whole thing ourselves. Which at the time was a, sort of like a, a new idea, a new concept. It right? was a little bit because usually yeah, somebody in the band had rich parents, you know, and mm. they bought all the gear for them, but we didn't have that. So we got, we made some relationships with, actually walked into a bank and got, the, got a relationship with a bank and um, uh, bought our motor home, truck. Paid it all off. It was great. It was, you know, we had a, John Price was our drummer, handed our business. And we were fortunate because I wasn't a good business guy. I was staying out all night, every night. And Ronnie and the whole band was drinking all the time. So yeah. nice to have somebody 
with a good uh, money mind like he did. So it it, it worked. Yeah. And we were very successful. And uh, uh, the record sounded good. Yeah. It was very rever- reverbished and a lot of keyboards on it, uh, a lot of harmonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did well. That's awesome. It did really good. Got a lot of attention uh, worldwide, actually. Yeah, uh, for an independent band to do that is, yeah. is incredible. Yeah. yeah. The only thing is, you're out of money at that point because you put all your money into making the record and make a little money off of it and then start doing another one. So yeah. I didn't realize until we, we uh, decided to do this Capitol Theater show, I looked back on the... Uh, the years that all this stuff came out because I didn't I didn't really pay attention at the time the years but it was every two years just about after mm-hmm. 88 so 88 90 92 I think it was in 94 and then 95 we put out our last record oh. so it, we we kept we tried to keep up keep yeah. pace but it was hard yeah for sure so I want to go back to, to Ronnie for a sec because you mentioned that you had a guitar player that could kind of you know, he could fill a room. He could with fill women. a room with yeah. women. Yeah. So what? What? What was Ronnie's? Uh, you know, what was going on with Ronnie back then? Ronnie was. Uh, he was a natural man. That's all I could say. People ask me about him. What was so cool about his guitar playing? Yeah. He, if he sat sat down and said, "Here, play this with a with a uh, sheet music," he had no clue. But he could listen. Back then, we used to listen to turntables. Put the song on to learn a cover tune. Yeah. And learn Find it in note the by note. He yeah. could do it, and he could do it. Yeah. We played. We were a three piece when we first got together. He could play. He could throw a keyboard part in a song, and then of course Van Halen was big at the time, and he could do Eddie Van Halen note for note. People used to come and watch him play, just play Eruption, you know. Because yeah. yeah. at that point, not a lot of guys could do it. You sure, know? Yeah. Of course, as time went on, and guys learned how to play, yeah, everybody wanted to learn it. So it was something everybody learned. But he was a natural man, good looking guy, tall, skinny. Girls went crazy over him. He was just a good, good. Southern guy, good good parents, and he yeah. was just, you know, he was wild. He was wide open, man. We were all were back then. It was the 80s. It was pretty wild, but it was great, and we always got up the next day, rehearsed, yeah. wrote. Not every day was uh, productive, but we did well, and Ronnie was really, really good. He was a good friend. He was good, uh, just a good guy, and we got in a lot of trouble together, staying out a little bit too late a few times. But, and I mean, he wrote some of, uh, like, the most incredible riffs I've ever heard. The riff, you know? we were a riff kind of band, you know. Yeah, Get on up much. was one of the first songs that we ever wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. And Swamp Woman, it was all riff oriented because we would come to rehearsal and say, "What do you got, Ronnie?" Yeah, he'd be like, "I don't know. How about this?" You know, and we go, "Yeah, yeah," and we just start jamming. Next thing you know, back in those days, you didn't really have to have a bridge. True. I don't think there's one. There's not a bridge in any of the tunes on the first album. Yeah, we just first. Chorus, verse, solo. Solo, yeah. Everybody like ironic. <laughs> repeat first verse <laughs> yeah. and tag. You know, that's the way it was. And it's it just, people didn't care. Yeah, that's exciting. The way I wrote my lyrics and the way Ronnie wrote his guitar riffs were like, they wanted pe- we wanted people to know it by the end of the song. They knew the title of the song. Sure, sure, you yeah. Know? And if you listen to some of these, most of these songs are, okay, that's called Ready to Fight. That's called Nobody's Fool. This song's called uh, Get On Up because one step, two step, three step. We sing it. Eight times <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, song. Yeah. So at the end of the song, they're like, yeah. And they yeah, feel like they're part along. of the song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they feel like they're part of the song. Nothing worse than somebody playing a new song and then at the end you go, what, what, was, what was the name of that? Anybody catch the name of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to know the name of it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. By the end of the tune. That's why I think the Boom Boom All Night record that we just finished doing is I wrote uh, most of it, the lyrics. It kind of goes back to, simplifying the songs a little bit so people will know the title yeah. of the songs 
I'm not trying to get deep or anything. It's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wrote the lyrics to what I, I felt. And it's kind of like that's why I think these two records kind of work together. And I'm, cl- I'm glad we're doing this show. Both both albums are going to intertwine them yeah. and do them back to back. And I think people realize that it's kind of the, like the same attitude. Let's have some fun. Yeah. A little catchy. Yeah, you're going back to your not roots think in too a way. much. Yeah. 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 And it's fun. 35 years later, why not? You know. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you ever think that in 35 years you'd be playing? No, I never thought. I never thought. Thirty-five years after the record came out, I'd be in Tampa learning the songs again. Yeah, to do them at a show, and that's what I'm doing. Six of these songs I haven't done in twenty years, so it's kind of it's it's fun. It's fun for us, and we're probably going to do this show uh, a couple of places uh, throughout the year. You know, it's a couple of different towns because we got a lot of a lot of response from other cities about wanting to do it. So yeah. So we're glossing over a lot of stuff, I know, because it's a short, it's a shorter podcast. But over time, you've built, you know, seemingly great relationships with like Brian Johnson and members of Cheap Trick, and I don't know, you're, you you seem like you're like a rock star's rock star, you know, like you're friends with all the guys, you know. It, you know, it's just Xander. I met Xander, and golly, it must have been eighty. It must have been eighty-seven, eighty-six, eighty-seven, maybe, mm-hmm. at a gig in Port Charlotte. And uh, we've been buddies ever since, kind of. Well, not he. We met, of course. It was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then he started uh, going out with his wife now, Pam mm-hmm. Xander. And she was from here. So she was a, a big stranger friend. And uh, I hate to say fan, but she was, she comes to see the band quite a bit. Yeah. So at that point, we when we met, we just became buddies. And he, he liked the stranger band. He would get up and sing with us every now and then. And then I started doing. I started a band called Damn the Torpedoes, mm. and he came in and sang on "Help from My Friends." We kind of did a Cocker version of that, and he came in to sing the high parts. It's right on. On the Joe Cocker version of that. Good person and, to get to sing the high parts. Yeah, man. and I, like I said at the point, I was just in a band with Kyle. Yeah. Kyle Ashley, who's playing guitar in my band now, mm-hmm. uh, we're called Damn the Torpedoes. That band, that band lasted about seven years. Yeah. That was between Stranger and Greg Billings' band. Like I said, Xander. We came, became friends with him uh, and Brian Johnson I met back in, in Stranger. His okay. wife was a Stranger fan. Right so we played golf one day and became buddies right away. And that's been, ah, we were just talking about it the other day, me and him. It was probably 20, my son is 27. And it was about the time my son was born. So we've known each other that long. Wow. 27 years. So, um and they've always just, I don't know, you know, we don't talk music much. You know, even Xander, if I go out with him, we don't talk music. We, we talk about. Yeah, there's still other, other things in life. Man. Other things, yeah. yeah. And I, I never push this, the record stuff on them. Or, but if I'm doing a record and I got a song I think that one of them will fit on, I, yeah. I reach out to him. Brian Johnson was on the new record, right? He was on. Uh, he was on. He sang, he, sang, uh, he sang Midnight Hour cover of Wilson Pickett tune. And we had also Donald Duck Dunn played bass on that track. All right. And Duck and myself and Brian are really good friends. We've, we've been up way late <laughs> many times. Yeah. And I, we were drinking one night. I said, you guys got to come up and play on the song. And they said, yeah. So I kind of held it to them. Yeah, yeah. The next day I'm on the phone going, all right, when do you guys want to come up? I, I'm sure they were like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I don't remember saying we do this. But I said, yeah, you guys are going to come up. And they both came up and one night played on that song. Uh, together and then Brian wrote a song for his wife. They ended up on uh, Built for Love album. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Thank You for Loving Me. Yeah, beautiful song. Yeah, it's kind I of a know cool. I didn't written that. Yeah, he wrote it and came up and sang the low part, the Barry White part on it. Yeah. Kind of sang on the, <laughs> on the choruses for me. And he actually had a show that he played his favorite songs. There's like six, six shows he did on the BBC. Mm-hmm. And he actually threw that one in. And, the, and it was like his third show. Producer was like, hey, man, you can't play favorites here. We don't know who this guy is. Yeah. He goes, just play the song. And the guy goes, cool. Yeah. So he, that's huge. Yeah. You know, to have six one-hour shows playing your favorite tunes, and he throws in a, a Greg Billings band song that he wrote, of course. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So uh, that's – that's I don't know how it happened that we're just – I don't I don't pay him to be my friend or anything. We just <laughs> – yeah, you know, yeah. just, just have happened, man. Yeah, yeah, we just kind of hang out, you know. And like I said, I, uh, I did an interview the other night about the new record with Brian on it. I said, you don't understand. We don't sit around and go – what can we write next? What you know, playing guitar and singing, la la la. We just don't do that. We just have fun together. We drink. Our wives love each other, and we just hang out. And then when that, it comes time to that's hang, a big thing when the wives love each other. Well, that's, that helps. I was going to say <laughs> our wives like each other probably more than me and Brian like each other. <laughs> but it makes it pleasant that the, that the wives like each other so much, and we yeah. can kind of hang out, and do our thing. Yeah, that's really. But cool. he's been a great friend because trust me, he did not have to sing on this record. Yeah. After all, he he just went through. He has a hearing problem. Oh, hearing issues. Yeah. Yeah. And right in the middle, well, not in the middle of the tour, at the end of their like two year tour. And so he didn't have to say yes to this, but I sent him the song. And he really liked it, and it kind of hit home for him about old friends don't come easy, because he actually went through some tough times where you know it was a tough year for him. Yeah. And it kind of hit home for him and. Uh, he almost didn't do it because of, uh, he just didn't think it was the right time. And at the last minute, I think about a month before the record came out, he decided to come up and put the vocal track on. He hadn't been in the studio singing at all until that day that he came in and did his track with us. And it took about an hour. He's got a good, good feel. And then me and him had the mic at the end. It's it's real talking yeah. back and forth what we were doing. So it's it. I'm just fortunate it happened that way. Yeah. I mean, it helps us quite a bit. And he knew it was going to help us out a little, uh, a little bit. You know, everybody talking about the first thing that he's done since that all happened. Yeah. And he's doing it as a friend. And he also did it because he likes to tune as well. So. Yeah. Well, those are the best reasons to do anything <laughs> yeah. in music, yeah. you know. That's really cool. Yeah. And you said that that show sort of just came together like in the last few months, It was right? weird. It was, uh, we'd done, we'd, we did a release party for our, our new album. We did that at the Dacker Shack in Madeira Beach, and we sold that out. And uh, Bobby Rossi was from, uh, uh, Ruth Eckert was like, man, you guys should really do something at the Capitol Theater. I'm like, well, I don't want to do another CD release party. And it, for some reason, it was like, wow, wait a minute, the first record, it's been out 35 years. Yeah. Why don't we celebrate that and intertwine it with a new record? Because it is, like I said earlier, it's, it relates a little bit more than any record that I've done in the past relates really a whole lot to that first record because the songs are kind of fun, catchy, yeah. no-brainer, you know, not too much thought uh, but with the lyrics, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Nothing too deep, yeah. yeah and I'm like, I think it might work, and we talked about it, and it was about eight weeks before. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, it, was, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even December yet when we decided to do it. So we decided at the last minute. Yeah. And it, he talked me into it, basically. I was like, I didn't want to do it because I was afraid we'd sell like 100 tickets. Yeah. And that would be to our friends, <laughs> and half of them would be free. You yeah, know? So, right. You gave tickets to. So I kind of put it out on Facebook a little bit, asking everybody what they thought, and over a thousand people hit the like button. Wow. And at that point, I said, "We got to do something." Yeah. 
and it sold out within you know uh, four weeks. I think that's incredible. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. just you on the bill. There's no openers. Just us. Yeah, it's- we thought about maybe having friends come, but no, it's going to be. Uh, and that's what they wanted to. They want an evening with the Greg Billings band. Yeah. And I'm going to be telling stories about the songs, some of what I probably talked about tonight. Yeah. And uh, stories about the guys in the band now, what they were doing when the record came out. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun night. I think that's what's amazing about the Greg Billings Band and Stranger by Extension is for 35 years you've been making music, but you've also been building this incredible fan base, you know. I know you want to call them friends. They're, they are your friends, but... Well, it's it, like, it was it was hard. I'm telling you, it was yeah. hard because George will tell you. George has been with me since the start of the Greg Billings Band. He's the only guy left of the original three that we, four guys that we had. Uh, it was we weren't very good at all. I mean, I was playing a damn I, the I, torpedoes. I don't believe that. We were not good. <laughs> I don't Trust me. That. <laughs> we just weren't good. He'll tell you. Yeah. We, oh, we he just, probably We just weren't very good. I mean, there was no chemistry. It's kind of weird. I was playing in a band called Damn the Torpedoes, played the beach, mm-hmm. a lot of cover tunes. We had a CD that did pretty well. Yeah. But it was it was just a fun party band once again. And then now it's time to change Greg Billings' band because I didn't want to come up with some name and take people a year to figure out who was in the band. So yeah. I figured if I put my name on it, 10 people would know. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. so it – and I, I thought I would always change the name after after a while, but it didn't work out that way. And we got better and better, and we added Tom mm-hmm. that we hadn't worked together for in eight years. Yeah, and Tom was one of the original Stranger members, yep. right? Tom was actually the one who called me. He had my number in his, his little bag. Back in those days, everybody had a little bag yeah. you know, with numbers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't he called me. He kept my number from a, from a gig that I jammed with him on the beach probably in 1980. He kept my number and called me. So he's the guy that actually called me and started this whole relationship. So wow. he joined the band. Uh, and then we changed drummers, and then next thing you know, we added Rob Stoney, and then this is, you know, and now you're seeing the band today. Yeah. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an easy guy to work. Well, no, I'm not easy guy to work with. It. <laughs> it's hard because I like things a certain way, but yeah, it, it shows in our gigs. And now after 13 years, we got a really good, good, solid band. Yeah. No, the band is incredible. It's, I mean, you guys are smoking. I've seen you, you know, for years. And the first show we saw was the a rib fest. Rib right fest. before six. Yeah. 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 We yeah. recorded that night. That I, yeah. Yeah. Up, yeah. I have the album. I listened to that shit for like a year. Not yeah. even joking. <laughs> I, like yeah. straight. I can listen to it all right, but I don't like to hear myself live very much. Yeah. Especially when I'm that, that excited. Because I knew we had like an hour to play. Yeah. And it was like, I'm not singing. I'm actually shouting at everybody. Yeah. Come on. Every song. It was a wild crowd. Yeah, it was a great night. Yeah, yeah. that that energy is wild. Yeah, and it, we, so we knew much, we were recording man. live, so it was kind of like nervousness. And yeah, but it came out nice, and we did a DVD with it. And uh, yep, got that too. That was a fun <laughs> show. I'll never forget that night. It was a nice, cool night. Yeah, uh, we got the lights. They gave us a full PA. It was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a good night. That was one of the like one of the better live shows I've seen in Florida. You know, it's really? Like, yeah, yeah I think ever. Yeah, and that's yeah. we had Ronnie D in the band too. Yeah, Ronnie D yeah. was smoking on the sax. Uh, I like the setup that we have now uh yeah. it's back to basics mark solid drummer mm-hmm. we're writing really fun stuff again and it's yeah. you know well and then, you know that's how you've been able to stay relevant for this long it's like you know people really see that energy and that you know you guys love playing music even when we were sitting here just watching you practice it's like yeah well I, I like it a lot and yeah. sometimes it's hard to go to a gig you know after a long day but as soon as i get there and see people you know, and people start talking to you, and all of a sudden I get awake, you know, and I get yeah. all, you know. Do you see a lot of familiar faces at the gigs? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a group of about 
30 that are just about every show. Yeah, they're the diehards. But that's fine. I mean, that's, you know, that's great. Yeah, To think about it, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I don't have a band that I follow like that. So for them to spend their money and spend their nights off, or sometimes they don't have a night off, but they come out anyway. Yeah. A lot of them are saying, but if you look deeper past those 30, you'll see new faces, uh, people that don't come out all the time. Yeah. You know, at special gigs, they don't they'll come to, but they didn't. Seven hundred twenty-six people stepped up to this Capitol Theater show. So there's some people yeah. out there. There's a lot of local know, love for the yeah. great. More than that, man. thirty that come yeah. to every show. Yeah, so. that's it's going to be a pretty amazing night. Yeah, I'm very. I, I was very. You know, like I said earlier, I was. I was very nervous about it, but it, it's you know, as soon as you mentioned the Stranger thing, and uh, how we're going to reunite and bring some old friends back from Stranger Days, it just went crazy. Yeah, you know, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing it to for my ego or anything. I'm not doing it. So, oh, I'm doing it basically to get people to listen to our new music. Yeah, you know, because we didn't want to do another release party. That's why I was trying to get to. After we did one release, I didn't want to do another one. So this way we can introduce them to the new music, intertwine it with the old record. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully people will go. Well, I would have never heard these songs if I didn't come to this show. So yeah. we're going to intertwine the, both records. Yeah. We're not going to do them separate. Well, yeah, we're yeah. going to just we're going to do a couple of each, couple of each, kind of work them together. Yeah, and it's a cool thing, you know. I mean, people can can bring out like their kids and, yeah. and you know introduce them to. Yeah. And I know my dad and my uncle grew up listening <laughs> to Stranger. You know, they're from here in Tampa. Yeah, and they they were the ones that initially told me like, yeah, when I mentioned Greg Billings Band, they're like, oh yeah, Stranger, Stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned this to someone that like that we were talking to you to someone that I didn't think would have any idea what was going on. He was like, yeah, I used to be the bouncer for Stranger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we had a lot of guys hung <laughs> out were bouncers for us. Yeah. But- it, you know, it's it's just part of growing up in the Tampa Bay area, I think, because we were we had some success, and the girls loved to come see Ronnie play. Sure, yeah. I mean, I was just you know, I'm like, hey, I'm up here too, ladies. You know, <laughs> but they were all that, good to him, and the dudes would watch it too because they wanted to play guitar like him. Yeah. So they would just be glued on him, and I, I'm just I've seen all the videos, around. man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've yeah. scoured him on YouTube he so many play, times. Man. Yeah, man, he really incredible. could play. And we, you know, we had the best of, you know, and at that time in the eighties, for for some reason, if you wanted to go have some fun, we're stranger playing, you know, and that's what people did. Yeah. So, that was a big uh, part friends of still lives. coming out now. Their kids are growing up, and people they're bringing are still their, doing that. They're yeah. bringing their kids, and they're bringing their grandkids now to shows, you know, wow. outdoor shows that we do. So, so. Yeah. So we're we're about ready to wrap up here, but I just wanted to ask you, what's next for Greg Billings Band? That's a good question. I want to. Uh, I've already started writing a couple of tunes. I was actually uh, hanging out with uh, some friends over Christmas holiday, right. working on a couple of new tunes. Uh, basically, pretty much like uh, the ones that I wrote with Jeff Abraham on the, uh, on the last record. Just mm-hmm. going to keep it simple, do another record. I don't know if we're going to do a whole album because I'm telling you, I aged probably 10 years in that one year recording this record because you got yeah. so many guys to work with and so many different places to do it. And, you know, when I do a single Put it out, single, release it on iTunes, CD Baby, whatever. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But if some come, if they come around quick, uh, which hopefully they will, another record, I guess. I love yeah. that'll Keep be that ball rolling. Yeah, a lot of live shows though. We're a lot of live shows. Fran Hosh picked us up again this year. Budweiser picked us up again this year. A lot of shows uh, already booked through uh, April right now. So a lot of outdoor shows, a lot of fun stuff coming up. 
that's awesome. Well, where can people uh, keep up to dates with keep up to date with tour dates and and news? Well, you know, I think uh, gregmillingsband.com is a website which nobody goes to anymore because they're always <laughs> sending me messages on Facebook. What are you guys playing this weekend? I'm like, go to my website. But nobody goes <laughs> yeah, to websites yeah. anymore. So no. go to his website. Yeah, yeah Greg Billings Band Facebook, and I have Greg Billings uh, Facebook page, which that tends to be it seems to be the only place people want to go to find out where you're playing. Yeah. That's but the, uh, the website, uh, got a new website be up in about two weeks. It's got everything you need to know on it. All right. Well, look out for that. If you're going to the Capitol Theater this Friday, be on the lookout for, for us. We'll be at the show, too. And, you know, keep an eye on uh, Greg Billings for the future. Another 35 years of Stranger. Woo, can you imagine that? Oh, <laughs> Continuous special yeah. sauce. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a, a 70th anniversary <laughs> podcast in 35 years. Let's work on 36. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get let's there. Let's get there. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Great. it. Thanks, man.